You're listening to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. In this episode, we chat about point-of-care feline leukemia virus tests with our guest, Laura Izquierdo. Welcome to Veterinary Vertex. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Fortier, and I'm joined by Associate Editor Sarah Wright. Today, we have Laura joining us from Spain. Thank you so much, Laura, for taking your time out of your evening to be with us here today. Well, thank you to you for the invitation. Laura, your manuscript in JAVMA discusses point-of-care feline leukemia virus or FPLV tests, which are quite commonly used in clinical practice. Can you give our listeners some background on this topic? Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, starting, well, from the very beginning, uh, point-of-care tests are medical diagnostic exams that are performed close to the patient. And that's the main difference to all the other tests that we, we have in the clinical practice. And it is to avoid time and logistics of sending the samples to external laboratory. Regarding to feline leukemia virus, uh, most point-of-care tests detect P27 antigen, that it's a structural protein of the virus, and that in cats could be found after they became infected. The point is that not all the cats that contact with the virus became infected. If after the contact, they completely eliminate the pathogen, they have an abortive infection, and P27 could not be detected in the blood. However, if the virus spreads, uh, they could develop progressive or progressive infections. These are the most common. There are other types, but are not quite common. In this last situation, uh, cats could present P27 antigen in the blood due to a secondary viremia. If this viremia is persistent, uh, these patients have a progressive infection. If it is not, progressive disease could be developed. And that's better for the patient because the prognosis of the both presentation is quite different. Um, patients with uh, progressive disease have a median survival time around 1.5 years instead of the ones that has a progressive disease, that the median survival time is more than four years. It's like not being infected or having a well-controlled disease. Um, in summary, what we have to get from this info is that point-of-care tests allow um, to make a faster screening of the infection. Uh, but after that, we need to do verification tests to be sure of which kind of infection do we have. And this helped, This has helped until the moment to decrease a lot the felt prevalence around the world. However, there are, what it's important to get is that these results should always be corroborated because not all the positive patients have the same prognosis. I think that's a really good point. It's so easy to do one of those point of care snap tests, you know, and you get the result that you want. You're like, oh, that's it. But like you said, good to do some confirmatory tests too. So what are some important findings from this study? Mm. The most important finding for us is that some cats with uh, non-associative immunomediated anemia had transient P27 positive antigen. And, did it, and this finding um, goes with a negative provirus PCR test. This presentation is quite uncommon and suggests uh, what we were talking before that could be a regressive or an atypical infection. Um, what we expect to happen in this patient is that if we immunosuppress them, they uh, will uh, develop the disease. However, in the patients that we have been um, observing, what happened is that despite we immunosuppress them, the infection did not progress and the antigenemia disappears. 
it's true that in the article or in the manuscript we mm, discuss about several possibilities that possibilities that could explain that. But the key point is um, not to assume that these patients um, has a progressive infection just because they are positive in P27, and that's what it's more important for us. Yeah. Yeah, very important findings for clinicians around the world, really. So thank you. Laura, what sparked your research interest in feline leukemia virus? Did you have a, a patient, a, a head of your own? What what really drove this passion? Um, well, when I was starting my specialist internship, that it was five years ago, something like this, we had several patients that uh, present. That, um, to our clinic with uh, IMHA and positive P27 results. While we were waiting for the molecular molecular verifying test, um, we need to treat them. And I was struggling with that because um, I was not feeling comfortable in immunosuppressing patients that has uh, feline leukemia virus um, or that could have it at least. Um, we discussed the risk benefits uh, with the owners and finally we decided to treat them. Uh, to treat them. Um, what we saw after that is that despite this immunosuppression, um, the the outcome of this patient was similar to, to the other patients that has a non-associative IMHA. And that when we when the verifying test came back, most of them were pro-virus negative. And P27 antigenemia, antigenemia that we tested because we thought maybe we were wrong when we make the first test actually disappeared. We presented these first cases in the Eggbin Congress in 2020. And since then, some colleagues contacted us to describe similar cases around Europe. And that's what, well, what we, where we found all this kind of research interest. Yeah, thank you. That little perfectly dovetails into the next question of like, hmm. what inspired you to write this manuscript? It's multi-center, which is very tough to do when you're looking at other people's medical records and treatment and conversations uh, documented or not. What uh, what inspired you to carry through with that? Yeah, it, well, I think that maybe uh, part of the question has been ready uh, answer, but um, what make us feel the need of sharing these findings is that uh, FIP infection is still very common around the world and in the Mediterranean countries. Is, I think that the prevalence is around five percent, something like this, between three to five. And until the moment, there is no clear treatment. Um, the point is that uh, having a felt positive result for a cat is still a stigma and it could tilt the balance to a possible euthanasia when they are sick or when they well when they have severe anemia like is the case of IMHA i think that this article wants to be a demonstration that not all positives that not all positive are equal and that many times it's worth to fight it well that's really important information i i didn't know the prevalence was that high uh, devastating yeah. disease. Yeah, if you well, if you mix the indoor and outdoor cats, the prevalence is that high. And if you something that make us to suspect that um, maybe they could be false positive, or maybe um, there is something else going on, is that um, we most of the times we treat indoor cats that has been already tested, that has not been in contact with other cats, um, something else could be going on on that, yeah. Yeah, fair. What was the most surprising finding from your manuscript? Maybe not what it was the most clinically important, but what was 
one that was just like, wow, I didn't expect to see that. Well, I think that the most surprising time was when when we have some prolapse of the disease and we test them again. And we have been testing them every single control just to be sure that how they are going on and how uh, if the antigenemia was still negative or we have missed something else. And they were positive again. And it was like, wow, the MHA goes with the P27 and we send the PCRs and they were negative again. And they, we were quite surprised about that. We we don't know have a um, proper explanation yet, but but I think that this was the most surprising moment, yeah. Yeah, I really love that question. We just started asking that. And it's really fun to hear from the authors, like kind of like what they thought and then like what actually happened. So thank you for sharing that. Mm. And then kind of more to like a personal side of things, how did your advanced training prepare you to write this manuscript? Mm. Um, I think that I was really lucky because it happens during the residence. And this um, gave me the opportunity to contact to many impressive professionals. My supervisor, my supervisor just... Um, send me or just uh, allow me to send emails to people that could give me the chance to discuss about could be what what could be going on uh, with these patients. Um, because we were a, a um, private practice hospital um, and we found these findings quite disruptive. Um, we were n- not used um, to manage these anemic patients with P27 positive with immunosuppressives immunosuppressive um, drugs and at first we were afraid that that could be only happening in Barcelona because um, some technical reasons or because we have some strange um, presentation over here and we were really grateful after the Ekwing presentation because um, many different teams around the around Europe contact us to to explain us that they have similar cuts and it pushed right down this multicentric study. And that I think that it could not be possible if you are not in a training like like the residents. Yeah. Yeah, research is a great way to network, right? You really meet a lot of people, and like you said, multi institutional. So great way to mm-hmm. sure for you to get your name out there and also like your interest too, as far as research goes. Yeah. And then our next question is very important for our listeners. This is going to be from the veterinarian's perspective. So what is one piece of information the veterinarian should know before discussing this topic with the client? Um, yeah, for me, the take-home message is that not all cats with positive results in point-of-care uh, phenylleukemia virus um, and anemia have the same prognosis. Um, therefore, it is important to do an extended workup of the of both things separately. You should do um, extended workup of the leukemia um, and just check if um, which kind of infection do you think that this patient could have and do an extended workup of the anemia. And do not assume that the anemia is secondary to the, um, to the leukemia and the patient um, only have a medullary aplasia. That, that is what we thought um, maybe during the last years for the studies that we have. Um, and finally, if the anemia could have a non-associative immunomediated origin and you um, get this diagnosis and think, yeah, that could be an MHA or a PIMA or whatever, it should be treated like a classical one. And and even discussing with the owners the benefits and risks and just 
um, immunosuppressation and reassist them, um, which is a feline leukemia status when the patient is much more stable. Yeah. Yeah, excellent advice. Sometimes if it seems like it's too easy, it might be. So definitely worth the further investigation. And then on the other side of the relationship, what is one thing the client should know about this topic? Um, I think that, well, what, what is more important to get is that um, sometimes, despite we have a positive test, it does not mean that the patient will have an infection. Well. Uh, could be infected but could not develop the disease never ever or could be a strange presentation or a different one that will need to be followed until we have a, a proper diagnosis or a definitive diagnosis and that be, and that needs um of patients and of a confident uh, a really close uh, relationship with your veterinary and i, I think that that's the point hmm. Well, well done again, Lara, and your whole team. You know, you, you really changed a clinical paradigm with with this manuscript, and very few people really can kind of accomplish that in their lifetime. So well done. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. In order to get all this done, you you know, we can we can hear your passion for this project. Uh, and you clearly have resilience and determination. Where do you think that came from? I think that, well. I, I think that it's a, a mixture of um, of the passion that you have for animals, and that maybe well, I I I, I used to be a dog person, and right now I'm a cat person, and that maybe makes the makes the um, the investigation closer. And the fact that it really, I was really struggling with the situation when I when I decided to immunosuppress the first cat. I was really afraid of that. I was thinking, uh, well. And it should it could be an associative one and you could be just doing the wrong thing. And but you do not have time and you have to choose right now. Um if you do not give treatment, the patient will die. If it if if you will give it, if you give it, maybe it it will happen, but maybe later. And and the fact that the patient surprised me once and another, one time and another makes me just feel more close to this investigation. Yeah. Yeah. So you can really feel that. So thank you again mm -hmm. for sharing all this wonderful information and your, as I've said a couple of times, your passion, we can really hear it. Uh, as we start to wind down a little bit more, uh, this is one our listeners love to listen to and Sarah and I uh, enjoy this as well. What is the oldest or the most interesting thing in or on your desk? Uh, well, um, well, I think, well, I kept my diaries since I'm 15. Then I think that maybe these notes that are the oldest one and the funniest one that I have, um, maybe it's the, the most interesting thing that I have in my desk drawer. However, in these in this diaries, um, since I became a graduate, I have all the patients with the stickers, with notes, and that that's the, the thing that I feel closest to in my, in my desk, yeah. That's impressive that you still have that. I was actually thinking a few days ago about like all the, you know, I, had, I used to make these giant notebooks um, and I would have like history, physical exam findings, place for to put the patient sticker, like you said. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what happened to them, but I had like so many between externships and then like a year of a rotating yeah. internship, you know, it's insane. So there's somewhere in the abyss. <laughs> yeah, very impressed you have those. And just thank you again, Laura, for your time today and also for submitting your manuscript to JAPMA.
Well, really welcome. Really grateful to be invited. And to our listeners, you can read Laura's manuscript on our journal's website or in October print JAPMA. I am Sarah Wright with Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to.